If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, be generous. As I was saying last, uh, last week, I want to teach you to do something that you think you already know how to do. Uh, and that is be generous. Uh, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and, and, and get it. Let me um, go back and, and listen to the sermon. But let me, uh, let me just bring out a couple of things. Uh, generous people give more. Well, that may seem obvious, but, uh, uh, but not necessarily. It depends on what you mean by more. I mean, there are people who are not generous who give a lot. If they were generous, they'd give more. But in the eyes of heaven, it's not about how much at all. Heaven looks at it a different way. So uh, generous people give more. Generous people save more. And now that may seem counterintuitive, but I'll definitely go into that next week. Generous people consume less, and I'm going to explain why that is this week. And generous people are happier. And don't just take my word for it. Jesus is the one who said that. Paul told us over in, uh, in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, remembering the words of our Lord Jesus who said, it's more blessed, it's happier to give than to receive. What generosity is not? Generosity is not tithing. It has nothing whatsoever to do with tithing. Tithing is about obedience. Generosity is about wisdom. Wisdom is knowing the right way to act, the, the, the right thing to do in a situation. Generosity is about being wise. Tithing is about being obedient. So uh, this isn't, this isn't a, 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 a tithing sermon by any means. Uh, and it's also not about random acts of giving, which, uh, um, which we went into a fair amount last week. Um, sometimes our giving masks the fact that we're not generous. I, that, was, that was really good. I'm going to let that sink in for another 10 seconds here. Uh, uh, random acts of giving are often motivated by guilt. You know, we're, when it's pointed out to us how much better we've got it than someone else. Oh, well, I need it. Or when that quiet nagging voice inside is telling us we really should be generous, then we'll give to prove to ourselves that we are generous. You know, the meanest guy, the, the, the toughest guy in, uh, in the neighborhood, uh, I would say bad, bad Leroy Brown, but most of you wouldn't know what that meant. The, but the toughest guy in the neighborhood uh, is probably not really all that tough. He just has got something to prove. And so sometimes our giving is because we're trying to prove something. Generous people have nothing to prove. You know, they know. Uh, they, they, they know where they, where they stand on that. Truly, truly generous people can say no to, get, to guilt giving. Uh, not because they don't care, but because they have nothing to prove. They, 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 and we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, when determining if we, we're generous, we default to that time. You know, well, I, I want to teach you how to be generous. You don't need to teach me how to be generous. I gave $500 on that offering back in 1984. And I still remember it. You know what? A generous person probably wouldn't still remember it because there's so many things they don't even think about them anymore. C.S. Lewis uh, said something. Well, he said a bunch of things great, but he was being interviewed one time and he was asked, uh, what do you think? about being called the most influential, the greatest Christian writer of the 20th century. And I loved his answer. He said, I try not to think about it at all. 
And that's the way that it is with generous people. Generous people aren't proving their generosity by looking back because looking back doesn't make you generous. Generous people look to the future. They, they look to, to, to what it is that they're, that they're going to do. Uh, when determining if we're, if we're generous, like I said, we, look, we, look, we tend to look to the past. When we were in Zimbabwe, uh, welcome back, young berries. Yeah. When we were in Zimbabwe back in the mid-80s, it, it was very close to the, um, the end of a very contentious and lengthy civil war in that country. And a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of people in the, in, the, uh, in the English community had left. They had, they had immigrated to Australia or their South Africa or, or back to the UK. And a lot of the people who were there that we still knew still had ties to them. And they had a name for those people because when they would... When they would talk to them or when they would go visit them, uh, the name that they had for those people were Whenwees. Because they were constantly saying, when we were back in Rhodesia, when we had this, when we had that. And that's, the people were going, that's not the way to live. That's, that's not the way to, to determine that generosity isn't determined by what you've done so much as what you plan to do. And notice I use the word plan. I did not use the word intend. Because plans and intentions are two very different things. Intentions are plans that didn't work or didn't ever come to fruition for the most part. The, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It's not paved with good plans. Favor good intentions because good intentions make us think we're doing something when we're really not. Plans are a, a totally different thing. Um, so once you give, it's best to not, not even think about it at all. Don't, don't, don't look back. Generous people look to the future. Jesus says you'll be happier if you're generous. Now, what he, what he actually means is not, hey, if you gave an offering, now you'll feel better. Well, you probably will feel better. But he's talking about something more long-term. He's saying, if you will order your life around generosity, if, ge- if generosity will be what you order your life around, then the rest of your life will begin to be much happier. That's what he's saying. Now, this, uh, this image here might be a little bit, you could quibble with it because, yeah, Jesus is the center of our life. That, that's true. But he's talking about how you order your life. He says if you, if you order it around generosity, the, 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 organi- the person who organizes their life around generosity will be happier. But that's not how we do it here. That's not standard American. We don't tend to order our lives around generosity. We tend to order our lives around worry. Our money may say in God we trust, but that's a lie. Because we don't. We're very fearful people. We're afraid somebody's going to shoot us. We're afraid somebody's going to drop a bomb on us. We're afraid somebody's going to take our stuff. We're, we're, we're afraid, afraid, afraid. And we're afraid we're not going to have enough for the future. We're, we're afraid that we're not going to have enough for future consumption. And as a result, we end up in, in, uh, in what I call the worry cycle. I'm worried. Will I have enough to, will I have enough to retire? Will, will, I, will I have enough to buy that car will I, that I want? Will I, will I have enough to, to own a house someday or something? 
And when that happens, when we begin to worry about those things, there's, there's actually two responses that could happen. And really, uh, somewhere around the middle of the 20th century, there was a, a seismic shift in which response we did. Prior to that, uh, and we were worried about it, it caused, it caused us to, uh, to hoard and stuff things away and, and, and hold on to stuff and, and become uh, tightwads and become... Uh, well, I would say greedy, but we still are. Uh, uh, it, it caused us to not want to give up anything. Have you ever been in the attic of a person who lived through the Depression? A few of you have. Yeah. Uh, it's something. I mean, they've got, you know, they got string from the box that was delivered uh, 28 years ago because they might need that string someday. You know, it really is like that. Was like that. Uh, a, a shift happened about the middle of the 20th century because they began to, uh, they began to allow this thing called uh, buying on time. And so now, you know, man, I don't know if I'm going to have enough for that car. But you know what? The car's on sale and the, and the loan officer says, I can't afford it. And so we go and we, and we buy. We spend more because we're worried about not having. Now you go, now that's crazy. People don't actually do that. That's crazy. People do actually do that. Have you ever known anybody who was worried so much about overeating that they got so stressed that they had to eat to relieve the stress? Are you those people? <laughs> it's the same principle. It's exactly the same. So, so we're so worried about it that we go out and we, we spend something and feel good because now we, we have something. But the, the thing is, we didn't have the money to buy it in the first place. And so the way that we got it is we went into, we went into debt. And <laughs> it puts us in debt. And, and the thing is, we pay more. We pay more than the original price for something that's going down in value. So, you know, what, that, that thing that we bought for $1,000 um, five years ago, and we've now paid $1,500 for it, is now worth $50. That's kind of the way that it goes. So, we, you know, we end up, we're here, we're here in debt. Uh, now, now, let me just say this, and, you know, uh, I know Chris came back to this service, and uh, hopefully he didn't throw anything at me last service, and so... Uh, I'm not a radical. Uh, debt used properly for the right things can be a good tool. You know, some often it is better to buy than to rent if you possibly can. But you've got something that's appreciating in value there. Uh, and it's money that you were going to spend anyway. Margaret and I, uh, we've been married uh, f- oh, 39 and a half years now. And we... Uh, not quite a half, uh, 39 and a third years. And we, uh, during that time, there's been one month that we intentionally went into credit card debt. This was back in 1983. Isaac was four years old, and as every good four-year-old American boy is, he needed a swing set. And Margaret found one in February uh, that was on a great sale. And she came home and said, we need to buy this. This, this is such a great deal. And I said, well, uh, we don't have enough. We, you know, we, we pay our credit cards off every month. We can't do that if we buy this. And, and she said, well, look, look at it this way. You know, if we, if we took two months to pay it off, 
then we're going to pay $13 in interest, but we're going to save $150 on the price of the swing set. I said, okay, we'll do it. So here's, here's the lesson there. Every 39 years, you can run a balance one month. <laughs> and if you do that, you're okay. But that's, that's not how we function, is it? That's not, that's not really how we roll. It puts, us in, it puts us in debt, and then debt ends up leaving us with no margin because, you know, the guy at the car dealership told us we could afford it, and the guy at the bank told us we could afford it, and the guy at the appliance store told us we could afford it, and the guy at the furniture store said we could afford it, and the guy at the clothing store said we could afford it, and the truth of the matter is we now end up in a situation where, at best, this is our income and this is our outgo. Although it's usually more like this. Wait a minute. Like this. <laughs> stage right, stage left. Yeah. Uh, you say, well, people can't spend, they can't have more money going out than they have coming in. We do it all the time. It's our national pastime. And so you end up with, with no margin, and guess what? Life happens. Tires wear out. You do have to go to the doctor. Something breaks down somewhere. You know, you see something else. Life ends up happening, and so we've got no margin. We're already, I don't know which one it is. We're already got more going out than we got coming in, and now we got this big expense that comes up, and guess what? We worry about it, which then causes us to go right back through the the cycle again. What a fun way to live. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Yeah. Where? <laughs> Not in my bank account. <laughs> Two questions. First one. How much more do you need to stop spending everything you make? That's not rhetorical. That's a real question. If you make $40,000 a year, will, will 50 get you there? So that you now no longer spend everything you make? 55? 60, 65, somebody give me 70. You know. <laughs> now, how much do you need to stop spending everything that you make? I think you know the answer to that question because overspending is not a money issue. It's not, it's not, about, it's not about money. It's a spiritual issue. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, my favorite, <laughs> and self-control. And overspending is a self-control issue, which is brought under control in the believer's life by the presence of the Holy Spirit. We tend to, you know, when we, when we look at those, the fruits of the Spirit, we tend to, usually we're worn out by the time we get to the last one. So we really don't pay much attention to that one. Uh, but let's say we do get to the last one and we begin to look at it. Self-control. Self-control is about drug addicts. Self-control is about alcoholics. Self-control is about people with sexual issues. Self-control is about everything that people have problems with except me. And if I've got a problem with it, it's, uh, uh, well, it's not self-control. I mean, that, that couldn't possibly be it. So, 
How much more do you need to stop spending everything you make? Well, the answer is how much you make has nothing to do with you spending everything you make. Second question, how much more do you need to stop worrying about money? Billionaires worry about money. How many of you know the stock market went down this week? How many of you know how many points it went down? Well, if you know how many points it went down, you've got too much money. <laughs> you're, 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 you're watching this thing too closely. Billionaires know how much it went down, and there are extremely people happy in the world who would, happy people in the world who would go, what's a stock market? Because it's not about how much. Worry is a spiritual problem. We place our trust, our future, in wealth instead of in God. Over in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this. It's not one of the things that we like to argue about, so we don't pay a lot of attention to it. But it may be the most important thing he said in the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. And you know what he's talking about when he says all those things? He was talking about food, shelter, clothing. Everything you need will be provided if you seek his kingdom first. See, money, money does not generate the things that we really need. It doesn't really bring into our lives the things that, that, that are necessary. Money was not, will not give us more self-control. <laughs> Adding extra zeros only adds more crazy. Look at, look at the lottery winners. Look, look at, the, at the young athletes who sign big contracts. And then they go, well, you know what? I got all this money now. I got to get mature. I got to grow up. Yeah. That's not how they go. You know, if I knew when I was growing up all the things that I know now, whoo. And I'm, and I'm not just talking, I mean, I'm not just talking about, you know, wisdom. I, I mean, knowledge. Going into the 1969 baseball season, the Mets were 999 to 1 odds in winning the World Series. If you had $1,000 to put on the Mets, you would have become a millionaire at the end of that year. Had I known that, I would have been a millionaire at the end. I would have found some way to get a thousand. I might have borrowed it. I don't know. I would have found some way to get a thousand dollars. So put that down. And all the other, man, I would be so filthy rich, but I also would probably be dead. Because thinking about, you know, I don't know if you guys ever think about these sort of things, but I, you know, there are times when I think, uh, man, if I had just zigged instead of zagging, wow. How this, man, this would have turned out so much differently. And I think about that occasionally. And if I put enough zigs and zags in there, you know, I get, you know, I'm, I'm, I can do some stuff because I got some resources. But really, knowing me, if I'd have had that much money, I would have made a lot worse choices than I ended up making. I would have done some really stupid stuff if I'd had that much money. Money doesn't give us self-control. Would have indulged myself. Money does not give us more satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction is not a hymn of the church. 
is written by a young rocker who was on his way up and making a ton of money. Money doesn't bring satisfaction into our lives. Doesn't bring contentment. Money doesn't bring more peace. We, we, We feel financial pressure not because we don't have enough money, but because we've never learned to be generous. You know, and you may think, well, now, Pastor, you're supposed to be preaching about Jesus. I am preaching about Jesus. I mean, uh, most all of you, probably, maybe even all of you, I don't know, but, but certainly most all of you have given your life to Christ. You, you've been saved. Okay, let's move on now and learn to live like Christ. Learn, learn to live the way that, that, that he said to live. The consumption assumption is the way most people live, certainly in our culture. If it comes to me, it is for me. That's the assumption that we make, and not just unbelievers. In fact, believers believers can get deeper in this than unbelievers because believers can go, praise God, he gave it to me. I'm supposed to enjoy it now. Oh, come on. Or was that just too heavy? If it comes to me, it's for me. That's, that's the assumption that we make. Do you understand how dehumanizing the term consumer is? I am not a consumer. I am Ronnie Allen Meek. I, am, I have an eternal soul created in, in the image of the, of the living God. I'm I'm not just a a pocketbook to to feed the machine. Well, we not only accept this designation, we wallow in it. I'm a a consumer. I have my rights here. The consumer won't be generous because it messes with their crazy. If we think of ourselves as consumers, it messes with our crazy to be generous. Because uh, if I'm generous, I can't consume as much, and I'm a consumer. Okay, y'all are enjoying it about as much as the first service did. (laughs) Generosity gets us off of the crazy cycle. Generosity breaks the crazy cycle. Jesus told this parable. He said there was a man... And obviously he had been a a pretty successful farmer up until this point. But man, he had a big year. He had a a banner year. And he had so much stuff coming in, he thought, what am I going to do now? What what should I do now that I've got all this stuff? This is important. And he said, I know. I'll build bigger barns so I can store it all. See, money doesn't change anything in our lives he did exactly what he had always done young people and I know there's some over there but let's most of them over here if you get this I'm I'm serious if you get this this will change your life big time because there's a tendency to think when you're young and you don't have much oh he's talking about people who've got stuff you got stuff. Uh, when Margaret and I, when we were uh, uh, in our 30s and, and, and all like that, we had, you know, we had one income. We had three kids. Wasn't all that great an income. We had to watch every dollar. If we, if we were going to 
by this, then we knew we couldn't have that or couldn't have this because we, we kept up with that kind of stuff. And, and at that point in our lives, the Lord gave us, dropped in our hearts something. He said, okay, this is what I want you to do beyond your tithes. This is a percentage of your income that I want you to do beyond your tithes. And we went, okay, that's what we'll do. Okay, now we're old people. And you, and you know, uh, it's kind of it's nice to go, well, wait a minute. You know, you got two nice incomes. Your kids are all grown, uh, all that stuff. Um, you know, you're, we still do that percentage that we did then. That's, that's, what, that's what we do. Now, here's the thing. When you're on this end, there's a tendency to go, well, I can't be generous because I just don't have it. When you get on this end, there's a tendency to go, well, I can't do that because that's too much money to give away. And so both of them, you got good reasons to not do it. But if you'll start it here, when you get here, you'll still be doing it. And you'll never go, oh, that's too much money. No, you'll go, it wasn't mine in the first place. Didn't, it didn't belong to me in the first, and it will change your life. You won't grow up like, you'll be weird. You won't grow up like all, all of the people around you who maybe have a lot of stuff, but you know, some of the most miserable neighborhoods in, in Middle Tennessee are in Brentwood. I'm not knocking Brentwood. I'm just saying, just because you live in a big house doesn't mean that you're making the payment, that, it, that it's happening. And, and, and this will break that in your life. And you'll have, you'll have joy. And see, middle-aged people are making more money than they've ever thought they would possibly make, but they're not better off because they continue to do what they've always done. And if you'll start doing it right now, you'll continue to do what you've always done, and it'll be the right thing. Jesus says, God showed up. You know, the guy decided, I'm going to build bigger barns to put my stuff in. And he said, God showed up. And, you know, we sing, your presence is all I'm longing for. Sometimes people don't want God to show up. God showed up, and for the only time in Scripture, he singled out an individual and said, you fool. You fool. There's a lot of places in Scripture where it describes what a fool is, but this is the only time that that God ever called somebody one. Your life is going to end tonight. Now who's going to get all your stuff? Others would get his stuff, not because he was generous, but because he was dead. And the truth of the matter is, others are going to get all your stuff. You can either be generous right now, or you can die. But others are going to get all your stuff. Someday, somebody's going to load, pull up the truck... And they're going to sell some of it, and they're going, to keep, they're, going to, they're going to give some of it away, and they're going to throw some of it away, but it ain't going to be yours anymore. And Jesus said, this is how it will be with anyone who has a lot of stuff but isn't rich toward God. This is how it will be, total loss. And he didn't say, this is how it might be. You better look out. It might be this way. He said, this is how it will be with anyone. So how do you, how how do you, how do you, how can you be rich toward God? Be rich toward his kids. 
you know, if you do something for me, that, that's great. I, you know, I, I certainly appreciate it. You do something for my kids, I will remember it the rest of my life. So generous people are those people who think different, think differently. Generous people are those who don't, are, are, they're weird because they don't follow the norm. They don't do what everybody else does. Uh, Generous people do not assume that it's theirs to consume. If it can be taken away, it was never theirs in the first place. So why is it, why is it theirs to consume? Yeah. I mean, God wants to bless us. Yeah. Uh, How many, how many of you need more food? How many need more clothes? How many need more closet space to put the clothes you got in? Yeah, he, 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 he wants to bless us, but we don't assume that it's ours. Generous people, generous people who think differently, they think differently because they think like managers. None of this stuff belongs to me. Everything is put under, under my auspices to do something with. They don't think like owners. Ownership is a lie. There's no such thing as ownership. Say, well, I got a deed to my property. Well, the only reason you got a deed to your property is because we ran the Indians off of it. We set up a government that started handing out deeds. And when our government gets run off of it, that deed won't be worth anything anymore. They don't think like owners and they sure don't think like consumers. Oh, yeah, I'm more than a consumer. I'm made in the image of God. Seriously, you were created to be something more than than a mouth to feed. You were created to be something more than a clothes horse. I'm preaching now. (laughs) Disposable income is not the same thing as consumable income. Generous people are more content. And here's why they're more content. I said that they give more, they save more. They consume less, and they are happier. The reason they consume less is because they're not trying to use stuff to fill up that hole that's inside. They found something else that really does fill it up. Not something that, that keeps, keeps going away, that, that's, just, that's just this bottomless feed-me thing. And so they consume less because... They don't need the stuff to make them happy. They don't need the stuff to bring contentment and peace and joy into their lives. God created you to be something more than a consumer. And Jesus said, this is the NIV on that verse that we first verse we read. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. You know, we tend to think that greed is... Big money. This is be on your guard against every kind of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And what's the guy's name? Uh, Lawson, John Lawson. See the the uh, YWAM guy, Dawson. Dawson. Yeah, I heard him speak one time, and uh, he wrote a 
terrific book. He's written more than one, but he wrote a terrific book called Taking Our Cities for God. And, I, and, I, and I've mentioned this before, but I heard him speak one time about going to a... Uh, uh, he was in a South American city, and they were doing street evangelism, and nothing was happening. I mean, you know, they were preaching with all they had, nothing. And they took a day off to just pray about it, and they, and in prayer, they felt impressed. God was saying, the spirit that has a grip on this city is pride. It's a very prideful place. So what you need to do, instead of going out and preaching on the streets, is you need to go out on the streets, get on your knees, and start repenting. Show humility. And it'll bring that spirit down. And so that's what they did. And people begin coming to the Lord. Revival broke out. The, the spirit that breaks greed and destroys it is generosity. You don't fight fire with fire. You fight it with, 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 with water. You, or, 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 you cut off its supply of what, of what comes with it. Imagine that you think like a generous person. Yeah. Imagine. You, you may go, well, man, I don't have the money to do this. And, but uh, look, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna, next week I'm going to give you the tools. Next week I'll give you the tools to actually do this. But it's important to get the, the terms first. And that's what we've been talking about the last two weeks. But imagine that, imagine that you could. Imagine that there were some areas where you could be generous. Imagine that you think like a weird, different, happy, generous kind of person. The most generous person to ever live was our Lord Jesus Christ. We all live off of his generous bounty. Gift after gift after gift. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. See, when, when I say I am preaching Jesus, I'm preaching Jesus. When we, we're going to be transformed into the image of Christ, but that's not necessarily, oh, praise God, one of these days I'm going to see him and bam, I will be transformed. Well, you probably will be, but you know what? You can be today. There are ways you can begin to look like him and act like him today. It's weird because as I said last week, he's the weirdest person who ever lived as well. But that's a good thing because we needed some not normal in a fallen world. Would you stand with me? With those who are going to uh, pray for people, come forward. And if you're, uh, if you're here and you need prayer, t- two things. Uh, one, I'm, I know there are people here who need uh, financial prayers answered. Don't let the enemy tell you that you, you know, well, I haven't been generous and I haven't been tithing and I hadn't been this so I really can't go and ask God to do something for me God doesn't do it because you earned it God does it because he loves you and he would like to prove himself to you so if you're if you're one of those people come and pray with come and pray with these brothers and sisters and go you know I need some help here I need God to do something for me and the second thing maybe some of you maybe what you really heard in today's sermon 
was, were, were just two words, self-control. And you know you ain't got it in some areas. Come and ask God to give it to you. Come, come and ask for it. Uh, actually, Wayne, the third point wasn't come prepared. The third point was ask for more this coming year. So ask for it. If you don't need to come, worship with us for a few moments. So we wait on those who do.